Amen. That song, uh, they, they sung that song at my grandfather's uh, funeral. Uh, he was, it was one of his favorite songs um, when he was a churchgoer. And he was a um, real well-known deacon in his church, and they called him like the deacon's deacon. And he just always had a smile on his face. He was always so kind, so loving, and just a lot of people really loved him. And I remember when I got the call that he uh, drove himself to the hospital. He was 94 years old, and he had a bowel obstruction. Um, went to the hospital, and um, you know, I, I said to myself, well, now's the time to bring the Word of God and uh, show some people um, the truth. Now's the time when people's hearts are sensitive. And I remember, I, you know, I, I did not make it, uh, for those who were there, and you, you were there for a little bit, I think, Pastor Phil, and uh, some other people from our old church. They know I was not shy about opening up my mouth and telling people there strangers, um, the staff, uh, friends of his I'd never met before, maybe I met when I was very little, um, the gospel. See where they stand with the gospel. You know, you can stop somebody in the street and you can hand them a track and ask them a couple questions, but when you're standing by the bedside of somebody who's about to pass, that's the time to give them the gospel. Thank God my grandfather was saved. I didn't have to, you know, beg the doctors, please, you know, save his life, give him one more minute. I said, no, now's the time to give the gospel, right? Those people were hungering for a cure for him. I love my grandfather. It was amazing. You know, but what they really needed to hunger for was, was the word of God. What they really needed to hunger for was a cure for themselves, okay? And I'll never forget afterwards at the funeral, um, one, of the, one of the deacons, he, he stood up and, you know, just to back up, I mean, when I prayed, uh, you know, some men, they responded to it, right? Some people were uh, thankful that God's word would be brought into a situation like that. Some other people kind of just put their hand up and said, you know, your grandfather's dying, but the last thing I want to hear is what you have to say about it. And that's okay, because it's not me, it's God's word. But I remember at that funeral, um, one of the men, he stood up and he, uh, he says, I have a, a passage to preach from, or to get, just to give a couple words from. And um, he was talking about how the Bible says how corruption must put on incorruption. And he said, and I'm, I'm preaching this from the, from the King James Bible. And he looked at me. He's like, isn't that right, Brother Justin? I said, yes, sir. He says, and he did something to me. He says, when I, when I spoke to that man, he said, he, he, he changed something to me. And this was 70-something-year-old man. He said, he sparked something in me. He woke something up in me that was sleep for a long time. And he was a saved guy, but it gave him a little sense of revival, Amen. a sense of revival. You know, this world, you turn on the TV, it is death, destruction. And then they, they go to the funeral home and they throw a grenade in the casket for a double kill. Right? It's no good news. We need to be a bright and shining light for this lost and dying world, no matter what the situation is. And you will be surprised who's listening. You will be surprised who has been hungering for something that you might not have thought they needed. And you'll hear it from them. They'll say, wow, like, what you said or what you did forever changed the course of my life. Okay? These books sit on a lot of shelves. The words of life rot on a lot of shelves because it's not the words of life unless we speak it to someone. 
They just sit on the shelf otherwise. But when you open up your mouth and say, I don't care what someone else thinks. I don't care what this world thinks. If you have Facebook, I don't care what my coworkers think. I don't care what my boss thinks. I want people to know these words of life. God will take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest. He will. And people will see you, and they will see your life, and they will see the joy that you have, and they'll start asking you. The Bible says that they will ask you of the hope that lies within you. And I have many testimonies of people coming up saying, why is it like, you know, you, you never seem to have a really bad day, right? You know, you might have some things going on or whatever, but never seems to knock you down, knock you out. Oh, well, great. Open up the words of life. Let me tell you all about it. I've had that many times. Why? Because it's, it's God's word. God says that he'll do it through you, and he will, and he promises. He promises. So that wasn't part of my message, but the um, Lord just kind of put that on my heart before I came up here. Um, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. We'll start in the beginning of the chapter. That's the first book, first, chap, first book in the New Testament. 24th chapter, Matthew comes before Mark, Luke, and John. This is kind of the passage that, uh, you know, if, if the world read it over and over and over again, if they woke up every morning and they read this passage, and they just said, if there's a God, what's up with this? <laughs> this passage would answer some questions about today. The Bible says this, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 1. Is everybody there? Okay. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things? They're like, Christ, look at these temples. He's like, yeah, they're buildings. Verily, or truly I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? A lot of people right now talking about the end of the world or the end of America or the end of normal life as we know it, the end of an era. That's the question of the day. Why 2020? What's up with 2020? Why are all these things happening in 2020? Let's read on. For many shall come in my name, saying, I don't know if I read verse 4, let me back up. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. 
But the Bible says, see that you not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. We're going to look at that word famines tonight. Christ warned of a couple things. One thing he said in here, you know, you have the people who say, you know, oh, the Bible's not real and science says so. One thing God says here, he says earthquakes, earthquakes in diverse places. I think there was an earthquake in Philadelphia or somewhere near here. Someone just told me um, like yesterday. That's a diverse place. You know, Um, there's been more earthquakes every year for the last couple of decades and they've increased in intensity. Well, the Bible told us. The Bible put that in there for the eggheads who struggle with God's word. He throws little breadcrumbs in there for all kinds of people. Whatever our sin is, be it think we're smarter than God, or you know, we, we think we're, we're more important than God, or we're too good for God to throw us in hell if, if you know, there is a God. He throws little things in there for everyone just to come to that knowledge and understanding. It could be just one word that you say. You could have been praying for someone in your family for decades. You could have read them the entire Bible, whatever the case may be. And it could be just one word that stops them in their tracks. And it probably will be, because it's not our words. Not like we sit and meditate on top of a mountain and God gives us one word. It's God's word that he gave them. And he'll do it. You just be faithful. Earthquakes, there's more every single year. Pestilences, they're on the rise. Famines, what do they call it? Um, The news, they like to use, they'll tell you bad stuff. They'll tell you, they'll crank up the volume on the really, really bad stuff that we like to hear, like death, murder, you know, uh, 50 people shot last week. But when it's the things that can hit too close to home, like, I don't have enough food in the fridge. They don't call it starvation. They call it, they dial it back a little bit. Food, they call it food insecurity. So you'll hear that term. Oh, this area is in, in jeopardy of food insecurity. Let's talk about famine. Let's talk about famine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, uh, we're here tonight um, for all kinds of different reasons. Lord, uh, we're here tonight with all kinds of different questions, um, different things in our heart, circumstances, situations, mountains that we can't seem to move, mountains that seem to keep showing up in our life. Lord, whatever the case may be, Lord, we're here um, to hear from you. Um, Lord, uh, no one's here to hear from me. I don't like hearing from myself. But Lord, I do ask that you use me, and I ask that you fill me with um, what you would have me to be filled with, Lord, and remove whatever you'd have to not be in my heart and in my mind, and just hide me behind the cross, 
and just put up the Lord Jesus Christ in this hour. Lord, and as we all gather around your word and the preaching of your word, let us all um, learn, myself included, and be convicted of God's word, myself included, and let us all just hear from you. Lord, if we don't hear from you, we might as well go home early. Uh, it's already dark outside, Lord. Um, but Lord, just, just shed some light on, on our lives, Lord, and our walk with you um, and, and where we stand with you in this hour, Lord. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The definition of famine is extreme scarcity of food. Extreme scarcity of food. Uh, in looking at these different things in Matthew 24, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, earthquakes. I mean, those are all really bad. But, you know, if you think about it, you can kind of survive a war, right? You get a gun, grenades, tank, all the above, you know. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, you can kind of, you can figure it out. If you don't have it, you can rob somebody else that does. And, I mean, that's war, right? You can, you can fight, uh, fight unfairly. That's war. You know, the, the U.S. soldiers, they had trouble with uh, how the, the Viet Cong were fighting um, in the Vietnam War. They said, they're fighting unfairly. You know, the U.S. soldiers were saying that uh, the Viet Cong, they would pop out of these giant rice pots, and they would spray them with a you know, machine gun, and they would pop back down. You know, or, you know, a little mom would be walking her child through the market, but really under the child was a grenade, and she'd throw it at the soldiers and then just keep about her business. And they didn't understand that. So that's not fair. It's not a fair fight. Well, that's war. That's how the devil wages war with you. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. So you can survive war. You know, you can could, could figure it out, right? Dig a hole in the ground and cry until it's over, whatever. You can figure it out. You know, earthquake, you hold on to something, right? Pestilence, you get sick or you... You know, you live in a bubble. You know, whatever the case may be. These are things that you can survive. Famine, no food, no water. How long are you going to survive? If you're a strong man, maybe you can survive for a while. But, you know, your kids start dying early. Kids can't take it. People that are sick, they can't take it. Elderly can't take it. That'll wear on you, right? You've seen people all skin and bones, just sitting around, no food. Heard in Haiti, they'd make little dirt pies and eat them just to put something on their stomach, just so they felt some sort of substance inside of them. Famine is quick, quick. Most wars, about three-quarters of the people who die as a result of war, it's because of famine, either during the war or even years after. Because you go to a, whatever the land is, let's say you destroy the hospitals, Let's say you destroy the water treatment center. You destroy all these different things, the different parts of the infrastructure. You can stop the war. You can stop the shooting. Oh, peace, peace. But it's so difficult for people to... I mean, imagine changing the, st the, the structure of a city 10%. I mean, that's huge. Food, supply chains. I mean, we're experiencing these things now. We're experiencing these things now. Somebody told me they went to Aldi's the other day and it was stripped bare. Whether that's by design, it doesn't matter because God's allowing it. He's allowing famine to come into the land. It was Elijah, prophet of God, he prayed that it wouldn't rain 
for three years, and it didn't. So it's not that the devil causes it. Sometimes God allows it in order to bring the attention back to him. When you're hungry, you start thinking real quick about how to get fed. You start praying real hard, God, I need food. Everything else stops, and you become dependent on God all over again. I was always interested in North Korea. They have crazy stories about famine. Um, Because of their um, malnutrition, the average North Korean is actually 18 inches, probably about that, 18 inches shorter than the average South Korean. When you look at, I think it's a peninsula, right? When you look at the Korean peninsula on a map at night, you see South Korea, all the lights, the cities and everything. Then you just see a line. And then it's just darkness. You see a little bit of light from Pyongyang, which is the capital. But other than that, it's just darkness. I mean, there's nothing like it in the world. They call it the hermit kingdom. For testimonies of people digging up the dead in order to eat because there's no food. What do you do? Um, In all of its history, only as it being a closed nation, only about 300 people have ever successfully escaped North Korea. About 300. That's it. I mean, it is locked down tight. I was listening to the testimony of this one lady, and the person who was interviewing her was asking her, like, so what do you do for fun? Oh my goodness. So from, give you a little background, from ni- 1994 to 1998, North Korea lost at least, and the numbers are probably well underreported, at least three million people due to starvation. And this, we're not talking a big country either. Maybe 20 million, 50 million, it's not a big place. Right? At least three million people, probably closer to five, ten, who knows. So the interviewer asked this lady who was born in South Korea, North Korea, uh, what'd you guys do for fun? And uh, she looked at him and she said, I mean, life in North Korea was very hard. Um, you could say the wrong thing as a child, and they will execute your entire family going back three generations, particularly if you're a Christian. They play little games in the schools with the kids. They say, oh, does your parents, do they have like a special book or a special place that they hide something that they read? Um, If they do, if you tell us, you're going to win a special prize. That's what the teachers were instructed to ask the students, right? And then if the kids would give up the information, they're like, oh, okay, okay, cool. And they would go to the house, and they would actually execute the kids in front of the child. That's how evil and wicked it is for maybe having God's word hidden inside a secret compartment. That's right. Why? Because God's word is dangerous to the evils of this world. It's that dangerous to them. The devil knows, the devil knows how effective this book is. Do you? So they asked her. What do you do for fun? She said, life was so hard that we didn't, 
She said, I was instructed by my mother to be careful what you say at any time, wherever you're at, because the birds are listening. That's the, the fantasy, well, the nightmare land that they lived in. She said, uh, she said, I would always dream. He said, well, what would you dream? Like, what would you hope for? You know, like, did you, did you uh, hope for a better life? She says, that's all we knew. She says, that's all we knew. She says, any um, opinion of the outside world was completely skewed. So this was her only point of reference. There was no better point of reference. She says, the one thing I would dream about was eating so much rice that I got full. That's what she said. That was my big dream. And she said, me and my friends, we would laugh and joke and, and, and act like we were, one day we we're going to eat so much rice that we're going to be full. This was her greatest dream. She escaped North Korea. And this is what she says. She says, I didn't escape for freedom. So I know what freedom is. I had no concept of freedom. She says, I escaped North Korea for a bowl of rice. That's it. She says, I escaped North Korea because I was starving to death. That's it. She was no hero to herself. That's it. She says, I left for food. Some of the effects of hunger be like, fog of mind, you know, I can't even think, I gotta, I gotta go take lunch, you know, before I, I freak out, or irritability, right, I'm, you know, I'm gonna kick the dog, I'm so hungry, and then I'm gonna eat the dog. Uh, you know, your blood sugar drops, you start, you know, getting woozy, you get sick. Um, as time goes on, you, you get, you know, start getting kind of weak. Maybe you become completely weak, you have no muscle left. You ever seen anybody that just has not eaten for months and months and months? I mean, they're just skin and bones. They're just skin and bones. Eventually, their heart can give out because there's no, the flesh wears away in their heart and they can go into cardiac arrest. That's how it is. They have permanent, uh, long-term complications and then ultimately death, right? What about the effects of spiritual hunger? What if you're spiritually hungry? Your spiritual brain, your spiritual brain's probably going to be pretty foggy, right? You're not going to really know what's going on out here where it really matters. You'll be stuck here or watching the TV and driving around with a mask on, sorry. Um, you know, when your blood sugar drops, you're, you just, everything kind of throws you for a loop. You know, without God's word, everything's going to throw you for a loop. Without uh, spiritual food, you're not going to be able to withstand anything. Complete loss of strength physically? Well, how much more if you have no spiritual strength? What about some of the causes of hunger? Like a place like North Korea. Corruption of authority. You know, they, they could eat. They diverted most of their food and resources to their military, which is one of the most fearsome in the world and always has been. And I don't think they've ever been conquered by any other nation. And many have tried. Many have tried. Like a million-man army. And they are fierce because they feed the army and not the people. 
poor planning. You know, you don't put your chicken in the fridge for five days, it's going to go bad. <laughs> you know, um, if you don't put some fences around your, your crops, they're going to get destroyed. Um, taking losses in time of war, you know, plane comes and blows up your only cornfield, right? Destruction of infrastructure, we talked about that. No trucks to drive food around, no farmers to farm. Drought, infestation, pestilence, crop disease, livestock disease, all these things are causes of hunger, right? What about some causes of spiritual hunger, okay? What about corruption of God's authority in your life? Maybe God was once the authority in your life. Maybe God was once the voice that's in your life. God was once the thing that led you through this life. And something got in between that, and you said, no. And that chain that was broken, that connection. No walk with God. Not a leg to stand on. No ability to handle hard times. No church. You know, if in this world you can go hungry because they, they blow up the supermarket, well, you're going to go spiritually hungry if you blow up church out of your life. Because the Bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. What do we hunger for? Like, what do we hunger for in this world? Because as you can see, the things that this world says that we need to be careful not to lose, God has a spiritual application for that as well. You know, in America, there's only a three-day supply of food. That's it. You have about three days' worth of food in the production chain, in the supermarkets. If it all shuts down, three days. That's it. Doesn't really sound very prepared to me. How much of a supply of God that we have in our life? How much of a supply of God do we have in our life? Another cause of spiritual hunger? Just having no desire for the bread of the word. No care to be washed in the word of God. God will just naturally let the enemy come in and consume our lives. This is just the reality. And you know what? Although this book, anyone can sit down and read it, right? But it, it can be, it's not a difficult book to understand. That's just what the world comes up with because they don't understand it, because they reject God in their knowledge. The fight with this book, particularly as a Christian, is just going like this and going like this and saying, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you like 10 minutes where I'm focused in. Then comes the fight, right? Who can raise their hand and say, yep, that's when the fight comes, right? I was sitting right over there. Earlier today, I was trying to prepare the message and came over just to, um, to spend some time with the Lord and just try to get something going here. So I didn't come up here and just, uh, you know, play the guitar or something. And uh, phone starts ringing. Clients start calling. 
problems start coming. Not only that, but in my own heart, in my own mind, I said, man, I'm like, this is a fight. The, the book is not hard to read. The, the book is spiritually understood. Some of the most simplest people you will meet in life, some of the simplest Swedish Christians that can barely read, they might have re- learned how to read from this book, and usually they have a better understanding of this book than a lot of people in the pulpit. Why? Because the book is understood here first. And it's God that gives us that understanding. If we don't come to this book and say, God, I have some kind of hunger for you. I don't know what that is. You know, God, like you're my spiritual uh, nutritionalist, but I don't know nothing about vitamins, spiritually speaking. What am I lacking? Right? If we come to God with that spirit and that attitude, he'll just start to pour it out for you. But if we come to him and we're like, oh, oh, V. Come on now. Come on now. Thou. Oh, can't do it. This is, this is old English. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're going to go to a place that's brand new to you. Um, just give God that time. Give God that time. And as a Christian, if you're saved, yes, you're still going to go to heaven. But why would you want to go to heaven and be like, what book is that, God? What, what, what verse was that? I never heard that one before. Why? Why? Give God that time. It's, not, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a fight, but when you get in there and you realize how important it is to get in that fight, you begin to understand why God wants you in his word. Why he says that he esteems his word even above our necessary bread. Why the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But let's turn to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse 24, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little, little background here. So, Samaria and these people here, they are in a bit of a situation. There's a, a siege going on. It means the enemy has surrounded them, and they're not letting anything in and out. You know, the United Nations has probably led to the deaths of more people in the last 50 years than any other war because they utilize one tactic, which is called sanctions. That means this country, you can't sell nothing and nothing can go in. And it's resulted in millions of deaths. Just how it is. There's something about stopping everything that works. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. That's what, 80 80 pieces of silver. Christ was sold out for 30 pieces of silver. So that's more than double what they said that Christ's life was worth. For an ass's head, for a a severed donkey's head. Doesn't sound like um, USDA prime cut to me. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung, I believe a cab is like a little packet 
of dove's dung, that's poop from a dove, for five pieces of silver. What? How do you even get dove's dung? You go up to like the rafters of a building with like a little knife and you start like scraping it into a little packet and someone will buy that? It's right here. You think it can't get like that in America? Come on now. Like, look around. We, you can go to the supermarket and get like 50 different flavors of macaroni and cheese. And I'm thankful that I can get 50 different flavors of macaroni and cheese. And it's the goodness of God and his abundance that allows that. But we've gotten away from God because there's 50 different flavors of macaroni and cheese. And you see it, you know, and people want 55 more flavors. People aren't happy with what they have. God let this happen. God wasn't like asleep at the wheel and then his people got laid siege to. He let this happen. And these foods were unclean. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? He's like, There's nothing in the barn. There ain't no wine in the wine press. What, what can I do? That's what the king said. What can I do? What can I do? Can you imagine that? I remember my wife and I, we found some people, uh, they took a little bit too much, um, everybody's old enough here, heroin, and they passed out at an intersection, and we tried calling the police. They never answered. Car woke them up, they drove off, and I didn't watch the news. Maybe they hit somebody and killed them that night. I mean, they were both passed out at an intersection. We called the police three times, nobody answered. That was a couple of weeks ago. Imagine if someone in authority tells you, what do you want me to do? Police have caller ID. I remember before I called and they did call me back. They didn't call back this time. That's how it is. And the king said unto her, what aileth thee? So I guess he's like, all right, well, what's going on? Like, I can't help you. I got no food. You're probably going to ask for food. Everybody's asking for food. What's going on? What aileth thee? And she answered, this woman... She's pointing to this other woman. This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today. That we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. What? So we boiled my son. This happened. So we boiled my son. She's telling the king that. She's confessing that she boiled her son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, give thy son that we may eat him. And here's what she said to the king. And she hath hid her son. Wow. Sounds like some people are losing their minds a little bit. Sounds like some people have completely thrown God out of their heart and their mind. If I'm speeding, happens one mile an hour over the speed limit. 
But if I'm speeding and I see a cop, even if I think he's off to the side not paying attention, even if he's pulling, he's somebody else is pulled over and he's outside of the car writing them a ticket, and, every, and there's a whole, I'm still going to slow down. Right? Everybody, it, it bottlenecks traffic. This lady went to the king and said, I boiled my son. And I'm upset that she won't let me boil her son. Do you see what happens when, when God-given authority is completely broken down? Even your own state of mind, like who would say that to someone in authority? I murdered and ate my son. This is what happens when you have the famine, not just of food, because it didn't start with that. These people weren't faithful, going to church, worshiping God, uh, trying to do the best they can to serve God, uh, trying to give their best to God, right? Trying to raise their kids right, trying to live right. And then, oh, one day we're boiling children and we're eating dove poop. Something led up to that. And it was a famine of the word of God, a famine of the word of God. Ask yourself tonight, is there a famine of the word of God in your life? You know, I think about my son when he's eating in his high chair. I mean, he starts grubbing, 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 tears his food up, licks the tray. And I'll take a little wipe and I'll clean his face up and clean his hands up. And my wife got light gray furniture and God bless her, but it's, it's still it's still pretty light gray. And we're thankful for that. But you know what's the worst part when you clean them up is when you take off the tray and then you pick them up and you see all the stuff in the chair and food gets in his diaper. And that's where the party is, is when you pull the tray out. You know, a lot of times we like to show up in our high chair all cleaned up. You know, my face is clean. And, and we got all this crap, all this junk that's close to us. And we may think that we hunger for God, but we just more want to have the appearance of the hunger of God. Right? And what happens? God will show you what you really hunger for. If your life was like a kingdom, would you, what would you look like on the inside? Would you look like this? Would it be cannibalism and eating... Uh, Food that usually is either trash, made into dog food, or washed off with a hose because it's filthy. What would you be like if your life was likened unto a kingdom? Would your life be constantly laid siege to? Hey, Bob, how you doing? You know, they're laying siege to me. Oh, okay. So I guess that means you're not eating, there's no food going in, there's nothing coming out, you're not building anything, there's no business taking place, and basically it's like the worst Great Depression you could ever imagine. Yeah, pretty much. Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody know anybody that's kind of like that? Anybody know anybody that maybe, maybe they're just laying siege to one section of your life? Maybe the devil just keeps get, getting that victory at that one spot that for some reason, some reason, you just can't get through. Feel like the pressure's always on? Think about that lady in North Korea. She says, I didn't escape for freedom. I escaped for a bowl of rice. Are you fighting for food? 
or are you fighting for freedom in Christ? Because we ought not be fighting for food. We ought to be fighting for freedom in Christ. God promises he'll provide, okay? He promises he'll provide. Uh, it, it's done. It, it's something that's just, it's set. He'll do it. He'll do it, you know? And he, he will not leave you lacking. I'm, I was once young, now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, the Bible says. In the book of Exodus, the children, I'm not going to turn there just for the sake of time, the, the children of Israel, they murmur for food. Right? Everybody remember that? When, when God delivered them from Egypt and from slavery and from, you know, moving these giant blocks up and building pyramids and just having this life that was just for the service of these wicked Egyptians. Once they were taken out of, out of Egypt, God parted the Red Sea and took them into the wilderness. They murmured because they said, we had no food. Then when God provided man, uh, manna, they murmured because they said, we have no water. They just murmured. They didn't say, God, can we have some water? God, you've done this much. Can you provide some water? God, maybe you're bringing me to the point where I'm needing to ask for it because the moment I open up my mouth and finish my sentence that you'll provide it and it will serve as a reminder for how good you are and how much I need to depend on you. And God had Moses strike the rock and water came forth from the rock. God sent manna down from heaven. It rained down from heaven. Oh, well, they must have just sung praises and glory to God. Nope. Then they say, God, this madman's corny. Can we get some other food? Guys, they murmured against the food. They murmured against everything they were given. It's not about the food. Because they murmured when they didn't have food, and they murmured when they had food. It's not about food. It's not about food. God said, okay, and he sent quail to them, gave them meat, gave them what they asked for. They took so much, it came out of their nostrils, the Bible said, and, and it sent leanness to their soul. I bet if God told them all along, I'll do this, but it will send leanness to your soul, they wouldn't have done it. If they understood what they were losing. We're not like survivors. We're not in this like survival mentality with pouches and Velcro straps and parachutes and, you know, growing food out of the toilet bowl. If anybody in here is growing food out of their toilet bowl, that sounds creative, but please stop. It's not good. Um, I thought about like survivors. Survivors, they fight and they persevere. You know, and they do what it takes in order to um, live and rise above the rest. But then they get all the glory. Right? People that are concerned about their needs constantly, they usually need other people in order to survive. Christ was nailed to the cross so that we don't have to live a hardened life like an animal. And after it, just, just die in our sins and, and go to hell. He, that's not why he died. He died so that we can be forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. I'm just going to close with this. Um, the United Nations, there was a gentleman, he handles like some sort of food initiative in the United Nations. And he basically said that, he said this earlier this year, he said that there's going to be more of a 
crisis of food now than ever before. In fact, he used the term uh, biblical proportions. And that was before coronavirus. After coronavirus hit, he said there's about 70 million people that are in desperate need that could die of starvation. He said that number is going to be about double. Okay? We're just going to turn to one last passage and then close out here. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. Right after Psalms and Proverbs and One last passage here. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy, eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. God has proven time and time again that he provides in time of famine. He promises. He does it. It doesn't matter. You could be a a Christian in North Korea. He'll provide. And it won't have to be a dead body. He'll provide. He'll provide if you lose your job. He'll provide if he allows the enemy to to come and to, to try some of the walls in your life and lay some siege to you. He'll provide if he lays siege to your whole life. That story I read to you where they were eating the most horrible things, including each other, their own children. God came through and provided and lifted that famine within a day's time. They went from spending more than double what it cost to have a man betray the Lord Jesus Christ to he says, you'll be able to get fine flour for a few shekels for pennies on the dollar. And it happened, it happened like, I can't snap very good. There we go. It happened like that. So if you feel today like, I'm overwhelmed, I don't know where to begin, well, the first thing I want to ask you is, is Christ in your kingdom? Is Christ the head of your household? Is Christ the one that's helping you to make the decisions? Is Christ the reason that you get up in the morning? Or are you just doing it for yourself? Or are you just a religious person? You know of God, but you know I'm afar off. Ask yourself, who rules your kingdom? Ask yourself, what am, I, what am I famished for? What do I need? What am I lacking? God will provide it. If you want it, if you ask for it, he promises that he'll provide stand close in prayer
Amen. Let's all stand. Piano plays if God spoke to your heart. And uh, what's in your kingdom? Is the Lord in your kingdom? Is he head of your life? If he's not, um, make him. It's up to you to eat. Amen. Let's pray as the piano um, plays. God spoke to your heart. Come to the altar. Oh, God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'll help us all, Lord, in time of famine. Lord, you'll feed us. We worry about the food, the physical life, our health, our wealth. And, uh, Lord, but without your true bread from heaven or without the true word of God in our life we're already starving and we have it though are we eating it are we filling ourselves with what really matters or are we giving our life over to that which is nothing I pray oh God that you would help each and every one here Lord in a special way thank you for that message a beautiful message oh God Lord and you said you'll send a famine in the land not for food and water but for the hearing of the word of God Lord, I pray that everybody here will take to measure, Lord, the true and unsearchable riches of Christ in their life. Lord, may it infiltrate their heart and soul, Father, including mine, that we would put you first, Lord, and that we would eat that uh, manna that comes from heaven, O oh God. Lord, the true word of God. Lord, let it get deep down to our hearts and fill our soul. Lord, help us spend time with you. I pray, O oh God, and thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Give us blessings this week. Take care of us. Provide for us. Strengthen us. And most of all, Lord, help us to spend some time with you. And we thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you this week. I pray you have a wonderful week. Thank you, Brother Justin, for that wonderful message. And uh, God's God's done some work. God's given us some great people, amen, in this church. And and doing some great works. I, th- I thank you for everybody here. And I pray uh, that you have a blessed week. And uh, make sure you share the word. Share the word with somebody. Share the word. Grab a couple tracks. The tracks are for, hey, can I give you something to read about the Lord? Take some tracks with you and pray, Lord, who should I hand this out to? Or which one should I hand to this person? And God will direct you. The Holy Spirit of God is for that purpose. So share the word and be part of the work of God when you share the word. Amen. God bless you.